0: Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast, I'm your host Jonah Comstock. The history of medicine begins with the use of medicinal plants and herbs to treat ailments, but the modern history of pharmaceuticals has mostly been concerned with extracted and synthetic chemicals. Since botanical drugs were introduced as a category by the FDA and the European Medicines Agency nearly 20 years ago, only four have been approved. Is the healthcare world missing out on a powerful genre of therapies? My guest today is Saad Hardy, founder and CEO of Legacy Healthcare, a company that believes in the power of botanicals and has some data to back up that belief. Welcome to the show, Saad. Thank you very much, Jonah.
1: Thanks for hosting me.
0: So tell me a little bit about yourself, um, Legacy Healthcare and a and, uh, little bit about your story.
1: I would love to do that. So um, um, uh, interestingly enough, I was born in Africa. <laughs> I'm Moroccan and uh, that has something to do with this uh, uh, direction we have taken as a company f- almost from the beginning. but I will circle back to that at some point, but I was I thought it was interesting to have that in the background uh, when talking about it. The company itself, I mean, uh, we' are biotech, we're um, a little less than twenty people, uh, spread uh, spread out from uh, in Switzerland, France, uh, US and Japan. Uh, and we're a drug development company, uh, like many out there. Uh, we have many features, however, which differentiate a lot with uh, our peers and also I will come to that at some point. But uh, as a background, we're just a biotech like any other, trying and struggling to develop their first drug and
0: take it to the market. And so tell me a little bit about that drug.
1: Absolutely. So this drug is a botanical drug. But maybe, Jonah, what I should say is why we did that and why bot- why plants, why botanicals? And why a botanical drug? I think the background is very important here. Let me start maybe explaining why we use plants. And we're not the first one, by the way. Uh, uh, Pharma industry has been using plants since the beginning almost. And there is a simple reason for that. Plants, beyond their nutritive benefits and value, some of them have have a therapeutic uh, benefit and value. And there is a reason for that. Plants have developed bioactive molecules, and there is a very simple reason to that. Uh, uh, Animals, when facing a predator can run and hide. Plants count; they're sitting there. <laughs> so they're very vulnerable. As, as, as a protection and as a mitigation to this vulnerability, they have developed bioactive molecules to protect themselves. Now, mankind and plants have co-evolved. And this is why some of those bioactive molecules, which can be found in plants, can be active in our own body. So this is first the background and the rational why plants can be used for therapeutic benefit. I think it was, it's important to have this in mind uh, to start with. Now, since the beginning of the pharma industry, researchers have been looking into those bioactive implants to identify them. And then, because that was the way they would, they, they would use that, they would isolate them, they would single them out from the rest of the plant, because every plant will count many molecules, not that single one, many of many many more. They will take out this one, the one that they believe is, is responsible for the therapeutic benefit. They will synthesize it and they will turn it into a new chemical entities, and until the mid, I think the nineties, let's say, most big pharma companies had people or even departments looking into plants for drug developments. So that was there is nothing new out but there. But they weren't
0: they weren't looking into the the whole plant. They were looking what can we pull out of this plant? What are the active ingredients? Right.
1: Exactly. Because uh, drugs, most of drugs, I mean, things are now changing, but drugs are generally made of a single molecule. So you need that silver bullet. And that's why they would look into one single element into the plant, that molecule that they think is responsible for the benefit. And it is most probably responsible for that benefit, but they want one, a single one. And things have changed since then. But maybe let's look Why this has completely shifted? I think it's important to understand why we're a little bit. You mentioned in the beginning, Jonah, that only four botanical drugs have been approved so far. So we need to understand why, and and the reason is simple. I mean, since the pharma industry has been working in biologics, in gene therapy, uh, cell therapy, and else, uh, uh, money has to be taken from some research to be put elsewhere, and the research in plants have been the one which have been put aside. On top, I think that working on plants became a little bit out of fashion. Uh, 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 So, uh, and people look at it a little bit like, okay, that's not very scientific. That's not very technological, let's say.
0: Right, because there is an association, right, with, um, I guess, what would you call it? Like traditional medicine, Eastern medicine, all those things, these are still very much a, a focus on using plants. So I can see that sort of creating maybe a stigma in the scientific world, right?
1: You're absolutely correct, Jonah. I even say the the simple way that we say it. We call it traditional medicine. And this word carries its own stigma. This is traditional, uh, but it's the medicine of uh, every day for uh, several billions of people around the world. And this is a valuable source of knowledge to us as well. What has changed, actually, and that's the regulation which uh, FDA and EMA have put at the same time together in place, it's called botanical drug. All of a sudden, you could make drugs not from one single entity, but from the full plant extract, meaning that you take whatever is in that plant, you don't isolate anything, you take everything, all the molecules present out there, and there might be hundreds. Why is this a paradigm shift? People may say, but we have been using plants forever to make drugs. No, we have been isolating one molecule from plant and turn it into a chemical entity. Now we can use all of it. And there is a little technicality, which I would like to explain, which makes this possible. The power of a chemical entities beyond their efficacy is their replicability. When you use a molecular a synthetic agent, a chemical-made agent, you are sure to have an identical product one batch after the next to ensure therapeutic efficacy. And that's very important. If you use plants, it's totally different. I mean, look at us. We share 99% of our genes. Look how different we are. Nothing is, is 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 industrialized in nature. Everything is unique. You are unique. I am unique. Plants are unique. So when you make a plant, a batch of botanical drug from a selection of plants, and you make it the next month, they will be different. And that's nature. You can't change that. So that's a challenge to make a drug to ensure therapeutic efficacy batch after batch. What this regulation has put in place is... Uh, uh, processes and guidelines to ensure that despite the natural variability those batches will carry, you ensure that the clinical efficacy of every batch is consistent with what you have tested in the clinical setting. That's the big change. And I have to say that health authorities have drafted this, especially FDA, in a very clever and rational way. This simply made it possible, asking the industry to make replicable and identical batch from something variable is simply impossible. This has been the the paradigm change in this whole botanical drug uh, uh, industry and turn it into industry. This is what made it possible. Now, it has to be relevant. It's not because it's possible that it's good. It has to be relevant. And actually, plants, full plant extracts, are relevant in two ways, scientifically and medically. First, let's look at why they are relevant scientifically. A plant contains hundreds of molecules, and a combination of plants will contain several hundreds of molecules, which means that you can address a disease from multiple angles through different therapeutic targets. It's called pleiotropic effect. This is theoretical because people will always tell you, yeah, but that's, that's nice to hear. But is it true? Can you do it? We did it. Our drug, sorry, contains four plants. I will detail those plants later on. With those four plants, so our drug is called coacilium. And the first indication in which we have developed it is a disease called alopecia areata. Alopecia areata is an autoimmune condition, which is characterized by random hair loss and disfiguring hair loss. And this is why there is a medical need. So the whole challenge here is to regrow people's hair, right? And this is what the drug has shown. It has regrew people's hair, and just for the record, the drug has now been filed with EMA, and the data, the clinical data, has been has been validated. So this mixture of plant has treated a very complex autoimmune condition, and everyone knows that autoimmune conditions are very difficult to treat. Now, people will say, okay, but this is nothing new. Two drug has just been approved for alopecia areata, as a matter of fact. This is a very uh, 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 active uh, uh, area right now. Those two drugs belong to jack inhibitor class, very potent drugs. Now, if you take those drugs, and many more who are used off-label for this disease, uh, what you observed is once you stop the treatment, when you discontinue the treatment, hair falls back again. Without our drug, things are different. When you interrupt the treatment, hair keeps growing back. There is no interruption in the clinical benefit. This means that something has changed in the way the disease is now present in that patient. And that is something those other drugs, the synthetic drugs, have not been doing. So from a scientific standpoint, this is the illustration of what a pleiotropic effect is, addressing the disease from different angles in a way that even though the treatment has been interrupted, the benefit continues. It doesn't mean that every botanical drug will do that, but this one does it. And it's already something, quite an achievement. Now, from the medical standpoint, I mean, not all plants are safe. I mean, some plants are more poisonous than many chemicals. But if you take, again, our drug as an example, it contains four plants and those four plants are all edible. Since they are edible plants, the likelihood that you're gonna trigger a side effect or long-term toxicity is close to nil. And this is what we have observed in clinical setting. So all of a sudden, you have a benefit, and you have no risk. The whole paradigm of the benefit-risk is changing. We take for granted that a drug comes with a benefit, and to that benefit, you have to bear a risk. Here, you have a benefit, and you have no risk. It's a total change, the way you look at things.
0: So the one question I have is, is because of the way that drugs are developed, you have a very good understanding of why a drug does what it does, because you, you built it to purpose to do that. Um when you're developing these botanicals is there like a black box problem is it like we don't quite know why this plant is doing this but but it is or are you analyzing on a level where you know exactly why it's happening
1: I think uh, it's it's both let me explain we don't choose we didn't pick and choose those plants by chance the 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 literature and the d- data which are out there describing what every plant contains and many, and there are 20,000 edible plants which exist. There is a lot of data on those plants. We know their molecular composition. We know what they do. We, we, we know what they contain on one hand. On the other hand, we have a very good knowledge today on many diseases. We know what triggers them. We know what, how we can treat them. We know what targets are druggable. And this is the kind of connect we have made between the disease we wanted to treat and what plant Would contain those molecules we want to be present in the drug. So the whole rationale of drug development comes from scientifically validated data. Now, what is exactly happening when you combine those plants is still something that we are discovering and learning from. We have an idea of the mechanism of action of the drug because we have evidence that through in vitro work, by the way, and I mean Uh, Patients are. are, I mean, clinical evidence is there as well, but just like many drugs out there, many synthetic drugs, the exact mechanism of action of the drug is still unknown. We have knowledge of certain properties of the drug and certain mechanisms, but I think we have still to discover from this drug.
0: Interesting. So, I mean, stepping back from your particular drug, like, what what do you think are the lessons here that that the field more broadly can learn. I mean, what is the what is the role for this kind of drug development alongside traditional small molecule and some of the other exciting stuff that's happening in cell and gene and, and all these new paradigms for drug development?
1: Absolutely. Botanical drugs is just like any modality. It, it It is a cumulative modality to what exists already. In that sense, the way we see it is the following. Uh, botanical drugs also we have to acknowledge, and we see this from our own data, work slower than synthetic drug. At least this is what we have observed. So you need to take time. But on the other hand, their safety profile, let's not generalize, but let's generalize as well. Botanical drug would have a better safety profile. So somehow they will find their best use in non-immediately life-threatening chronic conditions where you need and you have time to address the disease and where you need to treat people for a long period. So you expose them to the drug for a long period. And this is where you need extremely safe drugs because you're gonna expose people to a drug for 10, 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, let's take all neurogenerative diseases, Alzheimer's disease. Now we diagnose diseases very early. So you may treat people maybe in their 50s, in their 60s, and then you have to treat them for 30 years of their life. So. Having a drug which safety profile is super clean is of the essence. So this is where botanical r- drugs could be extremely useful. Chronic conditions. And there are many out there.
0: Also, I mean, with something like alopecia, there, there's... In cancer, we talk a lot about how there's a relationship between sort of the the safety profile of the drug and the seriousness of the disease right if if you're going to die otherwise then you're willing to accept a lot of risk but that the inverse of that is also true right if you're looking for a treatment for something that doesn't really present a risk of of death or or serious injury then that treatment needs to be very safe or else the cure is worse than the disease right so there's a role for these high safety profile drugs in these sort of less uh, less life risking conditions
1: exactly all i mean Wherever life is at risk, you need something extremely potent and extremely quick. Treating a cancer, addressing a, a virus. I mean, take COVID. COVID should have saved probably tens of millions of lives. You needed something quick, which acts fast. Uh, you don't have time. You have something, you need something very potent. For, but whatever doesn't put a threat, an immediate threat to your life. Take metabolic diseases. Again, Alzheimer's diseases. You may end up dying from it, but this is will not. This won't happen overnight. You have thirty years, to to to. Some, I mean, you have decades to address that, uh, and you have to address it as fast as possible. And and on top of this, beyond the safety profile, there is the scientific rationale. These are these are diseases which are not driven by a single mechanism. They are driven by many mechanisms, and those mechanisms evolve. I mean, it's it's probably a dream, to believe that one single bullet will will shoot it at the center, you have to address it from many angles. And this is where you can harness the potential of plants, because you're going to look at those three, four, five plants, which contain those molecules that you want to be present to address the disease from different angles. So it's not only relevant medically, but it's also relevant scientifically.
0: We sort of learn from what these plants can do, when we can sort of reverse engineer it and learn new things about how to treat these diseases, new pathways, things like that.
1: I totally agree with you. As a matter of fact, this is a field where uh, AI has a big role to play. As I said, there is 20,000 edible plants. It's a humongous amount of data to mine from to look which molecules could be relevant for each disease. At our small level, we're already looking into AI to see how we can look for our next drug. Because the first one, we, we did it almost by hand. It was artisanal. But the next one, there is much more to mine from the data which is out there. So. The potential is immense here. And one thing I'd like to say, Jonah, is in our industry, but that's also reasonable. This is a scientific-driven industry. But let's ask patients. Let's ask them what they want. I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, they will be the one taking the drugs, right? We did that in a very small poll, 150 people in the US. We asked them, with everything being equal, all things being equal, would you prefer a plant-based therapeutic or a chemical-based therapeutic. Guess what? 90% said we want a plant-based therapeutic. And there is, I mean, frankly, we did it, but we could we could guess it. We live in a world where we're all chasing in our daily life, everything toxic. We're trying to push everything toxic from what we eat, from everything. And that's expectable. our I mean, we, our generation, our kids' generation will demand botanical drugs, I would say that it's, it's even strategic. If you ignore today, is if you're a pharma company and you're ignoring botanical drugs, you're basically not listening to a large part of your next patients. So I mean, it's like every new field. You need people who pioneer that. You need people who venture into it, who open the door. And this is how we view ourselves. We want to open the door. I mean, we have a drug to bring to market and many more there, but what we want to be is a door opener to to more people coming after us. And I mean trying to develop other botanical drugs as well.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, you want to resist the fallacy that anything that's all natural is safe, right? That's, a <laughs> But at the same time, there is a correlation, right? Absolutely. I mean,
1: again, uh, uh, but there is a very interesting element that we have discovered also talking to physicians, to payers. Physicians look at botanical drugs very positively because they say, I will have a better adherence Better compliance from my patient because he will feel safe. I mean, if you think of it, one prescription out of two goes to the bin. We know that as as a rule in the industry. Sometimes even for life-threatening disease, which is which sounds insane. I mean, not all is. Re- I mean, there are many reasons for that. But one is probably the discomfort of people when we, when they start looking at the prescribing information and they see this whole list of side effects, of of stressing stressful side effects. So if we can bring them drugs where this list is neglectable or only minor, I mean, things which will not freak you out, I mean, you're changing the way people will accept those treatments. So it is also a matter of getting people adhere to the treatment that we are making. So industry will have, has a lot to gain. Compliance will increase, definitely.
0: It's almost like, though, this is the sort of the other edge of the double-edged sword that we talked about when we talked about stigma, right? the scientists are, are skeptical about it because it's, because it, it feels like it's, it's connected to sort of less scientifically rigorous medicine and the patients are excited about it for roughly the same reason. <laughs> you know, Jona, I
1: mean, this is a moment where we have seen in the past and we will keep seeing. I'll take a very trivial example here, we will speak, which will speak to everyone. Let, let's take the electric car. They have the exact same value and they render the same service as a combustion car. They take you from A to B, but it doesn't pollute the air you breathe. Still, the automotive industry has overlooked and didn't want to look at the electric car for decades. They pushed it. They tried to bury it, by the way. (laughs) And look what happened. Now it's out there and everybody's behind. There is a reason for that. You cannot, you you simply as an industry, you cannot what people want.
0: Yeah, you can't make people want something else than what they want.
1: <laughs> I mean, frankly, although this is a scientific industry, it's also managed by people who, have get, who receive some course of marketing, and this is very basic marketing. By the way, I'm not a scientist. I'm probably one of the few non-scientists in the company. But interestingly enough, the starting point of this company The very starting point of this company, which hasn't changed in 15 years, is do no harm. But do really no harm. We put patient safety as a a prerequisite of our drug development, as a prerequisite. And then we took it from there. I'll just give you one example. Why health authorities also support that? Our drug, the disease we're treating, alopecia, affects both adults and children. children are probably more emotionally affected than adults who can handle themselves. The European Medicine Agency asked us to develop this drug first in children because of this emotional impact. That's, to my knowledge, the first time ever a drug is developed first in children while the disease affects adults as well. That gives you the level of confidence health authorities have in the safety of that drug. So what is happening here we hope to be a little bit the tip of this iceberg, but the iceberg is the people, this is what they want. And we're not the only one, I mean, some others have done it. Our drug, by the way, is the first drug ever made of more than one plant. So this is a first. That's also, I think, is a door opener to others. But for more botanical drugs to come, to be developed, you need money. These are drugs. <laughs> Forget the world botanical. We're talking of drugs. You need money. You need VC right. money. The moment pharma will have interest in this phase, VC will come, money will arrive into research, and more will
0: come. That's easy. That's very simple. This is a whole aspect of this we haven't talked about is that because of the way drugs are classified, you don't have to go through a drug pathway, right, to to market a plant. You could market it as, a, I don't know, like a supplement or a nutraceutical, right? but you're choosing to do the clinically rigorous work here.
1: Jonah, you're touching a point which is very important and excellent here. Let me me elaborate. You're absolutely right. But if you want to treat a disease and claim that you treat a disease, you have to be a drug,
0: correct? Got it. No matter what you're made of. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Now, let's flip it the other way around. As a company, we started developing this drug with our own funds. Founders put the money into the company. And soon after, we looked at VCs, we knocked at doors. I think I personally spoke to a couple of hundred of VCs. No one wanted to put money in botanical drug development. And I can't blame them. It's understandable. No one, industry doesn't look at it right now. So why would a VC put money into it? Totally understandable and fair. So we had to find a way to fund this drug development by ourselves. And this, you, what you describe is exactly what we did. Our drug is a cutaneous solution. It's a liquid solution you apply to the scalp skin. So if you don't claim a medical benefit and you go for the drug route, you can tomorrow sell it as a cosmetic status lotion for hair, right? Right. The moment we started collecting clinical data, and you can do clinical trial with cosmetic, there is no problem with that. We knocked at some doors. We went not into the the main door of the pharma companies, we went into the side door, the, the people who are selling consumer healthcare product. And these people have an interest into non-medical products, but they look at it from the, with the lens of a pharma industry. They want rigorous scientific data to put their brands and their name behind those drugs. And we made agreements with, I mean, some of the biggest pharma companies out there, but not the the, the 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 prescription guys, the consumer healthcare guys, that's, by the way, the money that we have used to reinvest in R&D into the, in developing our prescription drug. So you're absolutely right. You can use plants, and that's the beauty of the plants. It's very versatile. You can, if you push any pharmacy, you will find tens of nutritional products. They have no medical claim, but they may have a use for certain ailment, let's call it that way, if you have a cold, if you have, you know, something that you can just treat by yourself as a self-medication. But they can also be used for therapeutic use for treating serious diseases. So there is room for for everyone. And I think that their biggest potential is in treating uh, diseases, as we have illustrated with our own drug.
0: Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Todd, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I've, I've certainly learned a lot and, um, and hopefully folks have too. Um, any final thoughts, uh, especially, you know, things you'd say to a pharma audience if you found yourself in front of one?
1: Sure. I would say uh, uh, to, 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 to the executive, especially of the pharma audience, the people who, who, who are going to make the decisions is think of your patients, think of people, think of what they want look at this, don't necessarily put the scientific lens first, although there is hard science in what we do, think strategically, because what your patients want is what we do today. It's botanical drugs for a large part of what we can treat and address. So don't overlook that. Things things are changing and there are solutions. So botanical drugs can have a bright future but you have to embrace it as well because you are the one who's making the trend. And thank you very much, Jonah, for hosting us. That was a great opportunity to say what we had to say.
0: Get the word out. Well, thank you so much. It's been been great to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much.
0: That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The PharmaForum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for PharmaForum. And don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and to follow us on Twitter at at PharmaForum. Thanks for listening.